Well, good morning again. I'm Pastor Ellen. Uh, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Good Sunday because we're starting a new series. Meaning we take a topic and talk about it for three or four weeks. And the topic that we're beginning today is taking responsibility for your life. And today's specific teaching is titled, Let the Blames Begin. Um, hope you all had a good Easter. Uh, I certainly did. I have the opportunity to speak at uh, two nursing homes the first Sunday of the month in the afternoon. And it was pretty cool to have church for people on Easter that, that couldn't get out. So that was a special thing I got to do. Of course, speaking to you folks was fun too last week, but <laughs> I get to do that. Um, we're glad that you're here. I want to start with a question as we look at this topic. And we're going to start with this question each week. And here's the question. Am I taking responsibility for my life, really? Um, The important part is really, because if I I stop there and say, am I taking responsibility for my life, or are you taking responsibility for your life, we'd all say what? Yeah, yeah, sure I am. So when we add the word really, another way of saying that would be in all areas of my life, then it gets a little more difficult to answer, doesn't it? But I want us to say this all together out loud and emphasize that word really. Can we do that? Let's do it. Am I taking responsibility for my life really? Really. So the opposite of responsibility is irresponsibility, of course, right? So I'll give you a definition of irresponsibility. Kind of (laughs) self-explanatory. It's refusing to take responsibility for what you're responsible for. Now... Part of the problem is we, sometimes we try and take responsibility for what we're not responsible for. That's a different issue, and we're not going there uh, in this series. We're going to dwell on the fact that I have responsibilities, you have responsibilities. Am I taking responsibility for those things? What are they exactly? And we know most of them. If we have families, our families, uh, financially, take care of our finances, our health, uh, some basic issues we all understand. We're going to see one of the biggies is are we taking responsibility for our environment. Now the problem with irresponsibility is this. It's hard to see in the mirror, isn't it? You know, it's easy for me to look at you and say, hey, you're being irresponsible with your health, or you're irresponsible with your finances, or you're irresponsible in your family life, or irresponsible at work, or maybe irresponsible here at church. But it's a lot harder to see, well, yeah, yeah, I'm being irresponsible with this area or that area. Another part of this that really bugs me is our culture, our society. It seems like uh, irresponsibility is just becoming more ingrained in our society. And I got to think it probably every generation thinks that about the next generation. I don't know. Uh, but it seems almost to be uh, celebrated in our society. Even to the point where it's considered a civil right. Now, not civil rights like black-white or male-female rights. This is just rights. The Constitution gives us inalienable rights. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. So I have the right to be irresponsible. Do what I want, say what I want, go where I want. And the worst part about that is this. (laughs) You don't have the right to hold me accountable. In fact, dare you to do that. It's none of your business. Well, that's not necessarily true because... Whoever is irresponsible, whoever's creating a mess, whoever's creating chaos, somebody else has to do what? They have to clean it up, right? Another thing about irresponsibility is this it's, it's, it's contagious. If you're in a workplace and people are being irresponsible, not fulfilling their 
you know, just goofing off or whatever, and everything's fine, what does your tendency want to do? Well, if they're goofing off and there's no problem, then, then I'm going to goof off. I, I, don't, I, I shouldn't have to do more than my share. So it really becomes contagious. And a principle in all of life is this. What is rewarded is repeated, right? Parents, you do this with your kids. We used to have little charts and keep track of our kids doing their chores. And sometimes we give them points. Sometimes we give them money and, and so forth. And then, of course, there would be consequences when they didn't, right? You try to reward what you wanted repeated, and you discipline what you didn't you want to change. Now, I'm going to delve into one area of society that's going to be a little uncomfortable, but the facts are there. Uh, in the United States, close to 40% of children are born to unwed mothers. I, that, I, I, it just is hard for me to comprehend because in my experience, most people I know uh, uh, have you know, two spouses. But that's the, that's the statistics. And it gets even worse in our black community. I don't know if we have any black people here this morning, but um, 72% of children born in our black communities are born to unwed mothers. Now, <clears throat> As a result of that, most of those folks, or many of those folks, wind up in, on, under the poverty level. So in our society, what happens to people in the poverty level? Then we have a social system out of compassion, especially wanting to help those children. So without intention, I don't think it's an intention, we are rewarding that behavior so it's being repeated. And whether you argue that the mom should be more responsible or the dad should be more responsible, the response you're going to get from most people is what? It's none of your business. But technically it is, right? <laughs> if my tax dollars and your tax dollars weren't going to help raise those children, then hey, yeah, it's none of my responsibility. But even the, I think even if it wasn't a tax thing, if I see children in a situation that's not ideal, I want to help. You want to help, right? So, what is re uh, rewarded is repeated. And when we have irresponsible behavior, like years ago, somebody bought some hot coffee at McDonald's and spilled it on their lap, and they sued McDonald's. Did they want, didn't want hot coffee? Well, maybe it was too hot. Uh, that's just the society we live in. And those of you parents are concerned about who your kids play with, right? Because if they're playing with some kid that's irresponsible, either uh, play-wise or maybe school-wise, you're concerned that's going to rub off on your kids, right? And so their buddy's not doing a good student, and your son or daughter might not want to be a good student. So on the screen, anytime an individual acts irresponsibly, somebody has to carry the burden. Somebody has to clean up the mess. Somebody has to uh, try and fix it. Now, I came across this parenting technique that I thought was wonderful. I have some children, adult children here today. Uh, maybe they'll use it on our grandkids. I don't know. I thought this was just brilliant. So here's the scenario. You walk, one of your parents walk into the bathroom and your child has left a towel on the floor. Okay? Now, normally you would say, hey, come in here, pick this towel up, or you pick it up yourself, right? That's normally the way we do it. But here's the brilliance of this technique. It's this. You call your, your child in. Hey, son... Daughter, come here, come here, come here. So they come into the bathroom, and you don't tell them to pick it up. Here's what you tell them. I want you to ask me, hey, Dad, please pick up my towel that I was too lazy to hang up myself. 
All right? And, that, and then they're going to say, no, 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 let me just... You know, say, no, I insist. You ask me, please, Dad, pick up the towel that I was too lazy to pick up myself. Isn't that a wonderful technique? I think it is. But it even gets even better. Guys, husbands, you're in there and you find when your kids are lifted and you say, hey, son or daughter, come here. Come here, come, come here. And they come in there and say, call your mother. Call your mother. Why? Call your mother. Hey, mom, come here. Okay, I'll be right there. Mom gets there and say, hey, son or daughter, say to your mom, please pick up the towel that I was too lazy to pick up myself. Man, I think they would learn that lesson pretty quick, don't you? Anytime an individual acts irresponsibly, somebody else has to clean up the mess. So I put it this way. Irresponsibility is not a neutral thing. It doesn't happen in a vacuum unless you live you're a hermit by yourself, right? And even then, again, we're all part of this community we call uh, the world and society. We're all connected. There's interconnectedness. And besides, irresponsibility uh, doesn't work, does it? Let me ask you, are, do you admire people that are irresponsible? Wow, that person at work, hey, they just get away with, you know, not doing their job, and it's just so wonderful. I just love them. I just, they're my best friend. It doesn't work. We're not drawn to those people. We don't find those type of people attractive. We don't find it attractive in ourselves, do we? Now, we're all irresponsible at times in some area of our life. Let's just admit it, okay? That's just, it's just part of us, right? Whether it's laziness, whatever it might be. But if you're a Jesus follower, as I am, we can't do this. We're not allowed to do this. God's not going to allow us to do this. If you're not a Jesus follower, we're delighted that you're here. We think these principles work. We think they're good. But technically, you don't have to. But as a Jesus follower, we are responsible to a higher power, if you want to put it that way. So I put it on your outline uh, on a screen, God has given you responsibility and you're accountable to him. So the way I treat my spouse, the way I treat my kids, I don't have my parents anymore, I have parents, the way you treat your parents, the way you treat people at work, the way you treat people at church, the way you deal with your finances, the way you deal with your health. Uh, we should be the most responsible people at work, we should be the most responsible people with the environment because we are accountable not to your boss, but to a God himself. We see the connectedness of this, of community. So we're going to look at the beginning, because the beginning is a very good place to start, right? Uh, we found out that was in a song from the Sound of Music. <laughs> all right? Uh, so where did this all begin? Glad you asked. Uh, we're going to begin at the very beginning of the Bible. So if you have a Bible or you want to use your app, we'll have it on the screen if you want to follow along with us. It's called Genesis, and we're going to look right at the first chapter of Genesis. Now, I understand there's some different views about Adam and Eve. Um, some people believe it's a myth or a story or whatever. Jesus referred to Adam and Eve several times. He referred to them, appeared to refer to them as real people. There's genealogy from Adam and Eve down to Jesus. I, I kind of tend to side with Jesus, but if, if you don't, that's fine. The... Uh, insight into human behavior in this story is just amazing especially how old it is way before psychology okay <laughs> so it's in genesis chapter one god created human beings in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them so how are we created in the image of god we don't look like god we don't know what god looks like 
So how are we created in the image of God? By character. So we are created with the capacity to love, to forgive, to be fit, patient. One of the things that we're created with is creativity, right? God is creative. You and I are creative. We're created with the ability to be creative. So we have the potential to have the character of God, and that's how we're in his image, both male and female. Consequently, we are created with responsibility. Is God a responsible God? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely responsible. All right? So if we're created in his image, we are created to also be responsible people. And he describes part of the responsibility. He says to them, or the passage says, <clears throat> God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Now this is the commandment in Scripture that we've done the best job as human beings fulfilling. Right? Having babies, seven billion of us now, right? Something like that. All right, so this is one we've done a good job with. Fruitful and multiply. The next part, not so good. Fill the earth and govern it and reign over it. See the birds of the sky, the animals that scurry along the ground. So their responsibility given to the first couple was what? To take care of this planet, right? Isn't that what it says? We are to take care of it. Dogs and cats and other animals, they, they're not going to take care of it, right? So it's our job to take care of the planet. Now, how many rules did God give them in the garden? Most of you probably know the story. How many rules were there? One rule, <laughs> okay? A huge responsibility. We're supposed to take care of the whole planet. Only one rule, though, right? This is one tree. Just avoid this one tree. Lots of responsibility, no Ten Commandments yet. That's hundreds of years before Ten Commandments. No, no rules, one rule, lots of responsibility. Then I just had to throw this next verse in because it's in there, right? God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food, period. What are you to eat? <laughs> Plants. Why? Because to eat anything else, something has to happen. Something has to be killed right there's no killing before sin so before sin and i don't know but maybe in heaven there's no meat eaters i don't know but we'll find out someday all right so you and i are created to be responsible and not just responsible for ourselves, responsible for the planet now intuitively intuitively you can say that word we all know this don't we you know it and the way you know it is this you're happiest when you're responsible Guys, when you go on to work and bring home a paycheck to support your family, that's the happiest. When you're unemployed, are you happy? <laughs> Doesn't last, that's for sure. Uh, and women, I understand you work too, and, and you're responsible. Parenting. Parents, when you're doing a good job parenting, you are happy as you can be. When you don't think you're doing a good job, maybe you are, but you don't think you are, it's tough, isn't it? And so, husbands, guys... One of the greatest things you can do is tell your wife over and over again, you are a great parent. You're doing a fun, wonderful job with our kids and vice versa. Ladies, tell your husband, you're a great dad and you're a great spouse and so forth when they're taking responsibility, doing the best job they can to, to do that. So this is good news that we have a conscience, that we feel guilty when we're not doing what we should do. <clears throat> so as as responsibilities increase, the need for rules decrease. And again, parents, it's the best example I can think of. When your kids are small, you've got all kinds of rules. You've got bedtime, brush your teeth, 
take a bath, you know, you know, eat breakfast this time. You got all these rules for your kids, right? By the time they become adults, whatever age, or you, you consider that, say 18, whatever, you don't tell them what time to go to bed. You don't tell them to take a shower. Hopefully they do it, right? You don't tell them to brush their teeth. All the rules are gone because now they are responsible for themselves. So as responsibilities increase, the need for rules decrease. And one other thing you, you may not have thought about is this. Grace, which we talk about a lot, grace requires accountability. If there's no accountability, there's no need for grace. If you can do whatever you want with no consequences, then there's no need for grace. There's no need for forgiveness. The fact that we are accountable requires us to receive God's grace. Because I mess up, you mess up, I'm irresponsible sometimes. And the only way, we're going to talk about relationships, the only way that can be restored is through forgiveness or grace. Now, in Adam and Eve's case, they refused their responsibility. They refused their accountability. So, most of you know the story, they, ate it, they, they, they broke the one command. <laughs> they were irresponsible in keeping that command and uh, ate from that fruit. So, the rest of you are going to pick up the story after that happens, all right? Cool evening breezes were blowing. The man and his wife heard the Lord God walking around in the garden. So, they hid from the Lord God among the trees. I want you to notice that as we go through this passage, God is referred to Lord God all through here. Not that we need to add that, but the author added that. That means boss God. Not the gods are not already the boss, right? But it's just emphasizing the fact that God is God. He's the boss. And he hid. Now, it's kind of dumb, right? Hide from God. Um, we all have done it or try to do it, right? Uh, you can't do it. But it's good that, again, that their conscience were bothering them enough <laughs> that they felt, as we're going to see, uh, afraid and hid. So the Lord God called <clears throat> to the man, where are you? Now, did God know where he was? <laughs> Absolutely. So why do you ask the question? It's kind of like when your kids make a mess and you call them into the room and you say, hey, who made this mess? You know who made the mess, right? You want them to fess up to admit they made the mess. And so he wants Adam to reply, yeah, where, you know, here I am. And that's what he does. He says, I heard you walking in the garden. So evidently, this was kind of a normal procedure. They spent time walking in the garden, however that could be, because we don't know what God's like or what he looks like. Or what. But they spent time together communicating. They were in relationship together. But he said, I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. So God comes desiring to continue the relationship. It was Adam and Eve that had the, the disruption in the relationship, right? Now they were afraid. They felt ashamed. They felt naked. They're withdrawing themselves from the relationship. God keeps coming. <laughs> he comes pursuing us, right? It's the kind of God we have. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? So God's called him accountable, okay? You're accountable to take care of the earth. You're accountable not to eat this you know, this one rule, follow this one rule, and you broke the rule, right? And so here's Adam's response. Yeah, sure, God. I did it. I take full responsibility for my actions. Do with me as you will, but leave Eve out of this. She's innocent. 
Some of you haven't read your Bible very well. I can put anything up there and tell you it's Bible. Are you going to believe me? It doesn't say that, okay? In fact, this is where the trouble starts. Actually, here's what Adam said. It was the woman you, God, gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. So he's kind of blaming Eve, but he's really not blaming Eve. He's blaming who? Blaming God. God, you know, you made me, and, and uh, I was kind of lonely, but I had the animals to hang out with. Then you created this thing called a woman that I never, you know, existed, never heard of. And it's been kind of fun, but she got me in this trouble. So it's your fault, God. This is where all marriage problems start, right? <laughs> right there. So then God goes to the woman. What's he do? He says, what have you done? I did it. It's my fault. No, no, no. The serpent deceived me. If he hadn't deceived me, I wouldn't have done this. That's why I ate it. And we're not going to do the rest of the story. You can read it for yourself. But then there was consequences, right? Consequences for their irresponsibility. And uh, uh, we're still in that situation today, bearing the of their irresponsibility. So what does, the question for you, what does irresponsibility always create? And I put a blank on your outline. I haven't done that in a while. But here's the answer. Conflict. Adam and Eve and God were just like this in the garden. And all of a sudden, now what? God's relationships, all three relationships are broken, right? God's blaming, I mean, Adam's blaming God and Eve. Eve's blaming the serpent and everybody's blaming everybody else. So again, on the screen, where there's blame, there is shame, right? It's so rare for people to say, yes, I messed up, I did it, it's my fault, I'll take responsibility for this. Besides, again, there's nothing to gain through blame. What do you gain through blame? You never think about that. What do you gain? You may avoid some kind of punishment or discipline. <laughs> if somebody's going to be fired for not doing something, you didn't do it, and somebody else gets blamed for it, I, you know, there might be some kind of gain that way, not, not <laughs> relationally, not spiritually, not emotionally, but on the surface, gain. Do you, do you look up to people that blame everybody else? I certainly don't. They're not role models for me. It's not an effective uh, technique to build relationships. Certainly is it. Not only does irresponsibility create conflict externally with other people, we know this too intuitively. Irresponsibility creates conflict internally. Doesn't it? We say you're happiest when you're responsible. I don't see happy or irresponsible people. And if you're a Jesus follower, you're not going to, or anybody, but especially a Jesus, you're not going to reach your God-given potential being irresponsible. We all have certain gifts, talents, abilities, time, energy, money. We can't reach our potential unless we are good managers of those things. And when we do fail, when we're irresponsible, God says, hey, I can heal it. I can fix that. 
That's what the cross is about. That's what Jesus is about. Now, when people have conflict, here's a technique that you can use. I try and use it in, in counseling. I don't usually use this diagram, but we'll put the diagram up there, pie chart. Uh, in any conflict, whatever, whatever you're dealing with, whatever person you're dealing with in that conflict, you can ask them the question, all right, how much of this conflict is your responsibility? Or you to, you know, you caused, right? And whoever you're talking to, most of the time, they're, they're going to say the white part, right? If you have a husband and wife separated or parent and child separated. Most people are going to say, yeah, yeah, my, my, my part's that. But, but, you know, 90% of the problem is, is them, my spouse, my, my parents, my kids. Now, here's the key. As long as you, if you're the, white, the person with the white, if you focus on the blue, you can never make progress. You can't. It's impossible. It's only as you dwell on you, the white part, can you make progress. Because you can't change the blue person, can you? You've been married more than a week. <laughs> you realize you can't change. If you've been a parent for very long, you know you can't change that other person. Right? The only way you make progress is to dwell on your part. So here's a question you can ask yourself. What part of what's happened is my responsibility? Now, it may be 95-5. You may have married a loser. I don't know. Hopefully not. But what is your responsibility in that conflict? So I'm going to give you some homework, quote on homework. Not too difficult. Um, two things to do. First, listen to your blame. Just, just listen to the things you say. All right. uh, when you, you could be blaming a, a spouse, a, a child, a parent, a co-worker. You could be blaming God. You could be blaming uh, the government. You could be, Whatever. When you fight, catch yourself, it's kind of funny. When you catch yourself, you almost have to laugh to yourself. Why am I doing it? What am I accomplishing? Blaming this person or that uh, for this situation. But even maybe more interesting one is this. Listen to yourself talk about your blame. Well, you know, I would have gotten on a treadmill this morning, but I was up late last night. I didn't feel good. I, you know, I'll do it some other day. You know. Um, yeah, I should take better care of my health, but I'm really busy now, you know, maybe next month, next year, whatever. Uh, yeah, I shouldn't have yelled at my wife, but, you know, I got a toothache and I'm in pain, so that, I should that excuse me. Just think about all the self-talk that you and I use to relate to our blame. Give you one more challenging thing to do. Remember the towel illustration? So if you're in a marriage relationship, for example, and I'm going to take health just as an issue. could be finance. could be anything. So be brave enough. It takes courage to do this. <laughs> be brave enough to go to your spouse if you're being irresponsible with your health. Not eating right. You're not exercising. Eating more than you should. Just tell them, you know, in about, I don't know what age you are. In my case, you know, 10 or 20 years from now, I was pleased. Are you going to take care of me because my body's going to start falling apart and I'm not going to be able to take care of me? Will you please take care of me? Ask him that question. Are you brave enough to do that? Most of us probably not. So here's the question we started with, we're going to end with every week. Am I taking responsibility for my life really? Every area, relationships, finances, health, 
my walk with Jesus? Am I taking responsibility for my life? Really? Let's pray. We'll have a final song and let you go. God, you're a responsible God. You took responsibility even for us mess-ups when we messed up, providing Jesus to take our place, pay for that sin debt, so we could have that relationship with you. You desire a relationship. You desire the conflict to be resolved. So God, I pray for these folks here today, first and foremost, that, that they would take responsibility in their life, all those areas. We probably all have areas that we're neglecting that would take full responsibility for that. Especially in our relationship, God. That's the most important thing. Especially our relationship with you. And for those folks that may not be Jesus followers, God, we would, we would encourage them to step across that line today and say, hey, God, you created me responsible. Uh, I'm accountable to you and I can't, I can't fix what I've done wrong, but I'm receiving your, or accepting your forgiveness and I want to reestablish a relationship with you. Uh, we pray, I encourage you to pray that prayer this morning. We thank you for your grace for us, God, because we are accountable. In Jesus' name, amen.